Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. So how important are the words of Christ? How important are the scriptures? Jesus said, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. It's all about him. The same spirit that rose him from the grave is the same spirit that breathed and inspired the prophets to write down exactly what God wanted to say. The original manuscripts are flawless. God says, He shall speak all that I command him. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today. As Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 18 of the book of Deuteronomy, we learn of God's prophecy fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Pastor Rob supports this teaching by directing us to the Gospel of John, where Jesus tells of his mission to do the will of the Father and to speak the words that the Father directs him to. As followers of Jesus Christ, we know that Jesus is not only our Savior, but is one with the Father and is God in the flesh. Here's Pastor Rob with this important lesson. To the earth, to a rebuilt temple that he is going to build in Jerusalem. And you can read about it in Zechariah um, 12, 13, and 14, I think. But Jesus said in John chapter 5, speaking of this prophet that we're looking at in verse 17. My words, I'll put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him, all that I command him. Jesus in John chapter 5, beginning in verse 19, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but the passage I'm looking at is 16 through 23, but just for the sake of time, we're going to pick up in verse 19. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, notice this, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. There's a dependency there, isn't there? There's a willingness to submit, even though he's equal with God the Father and God the Spirit, God the Son purposely submits himself to God the Father. It's a willing submission. And he doesn't do anything unless God the Father says it or does it, and then he does it. But until then, he doesn't. He doesn't. In John chapter 8, you just write these down if you would. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 28, it says this. Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. Literally, you'll know that I am. That should ring a bell to those going back to Exodus chapter 3, where God says, I am that I am has sent you. When, they, when he goes back to the Jews. But anyway, he says, and that, and that I do nothing, notice, I don't do anything of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. 
So he hears and then he does. He doesn't do anything unless the Father tells him. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always notice this. I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these things, these words, many believed on him. In John chapter 12, beginning in verse 49, he says a similar thing. He says, For I have not spoken of my own authority. Again, notice the willing submission of Christ the Son to God the Father. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. And then you compare that back to what, it just, what we just read in Deuteronomy verse 17. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth. He shall speak to them all that I command him. This is what Jesus did. Finally, John 14, beginning in verse 9. You remember this. This was in the upper room. Or uh, uh, during that time, right before the, 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 the Last Supper. Verse 9 says, Jesus said to them, I have been... Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, notice, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So notice the dependency, the willingness to submit to the authority, even though they're one, while he was on the earth, he willingly laid down his life to submit to the will of the Father. This is the prophet that is spoken of in Isaiah, or I'm sorry, in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Let's go on to verse 19 back in Deuteronomy 18. It says, And he shall be, and it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Notice the accountability there. Not only for the Jews, they're accountable now to what Jesus has said because the prophet has spoken. <laughs> He's spoken to us his word. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. So, how important are the words of Christ? How important are the scriptures. Jesus said, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. It's all about him. The same spirit that rose him from the grave is the same spirit that breathed and inspired the prophets to write down exactly what God wanted to say. The original manuscripts are flawless. Copies, they make mistakes because man is involved in it. But the, even still, you know, I remember doing a study uh, or a, a thing that we did many years ago on the inerrancy and the reliability of the Bible. And if you look into even all the copies that have been made of the Bible, the amount of inaccuracy is so minuscule compared to every other, any other document in the world, even the most well-known documents, the Iliads, you know, the Homer by, um, you know, Iliad and um, any of those things. It's incredible the amount of detail and even the mistakes, it has nothing to do with doctrinal errors. These are like forgetting of, you know, crossing of T's and dotting of I's, small, minuscule things that mean nothing in the grand scheme of things. But the original scriptures, flawless. They were perfect. We get into verse 20 through 22, and we get into false prophets. And I'm rapidly running out of time. 
<laughs> it says, but the prophet, and I think it's kind of interesting, right on the heels of who is this prophet, I think we've identified him tonight as Jesus. We, we, we see that in the New Testament. Peter in Acts chapter 3 identifies who this prophet is that's spoken of in, in, in this passage. It's Jesus. But then he goes on and says, what about the false prophets? Because there's going to be lots of those. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. How important is God's word? Well, you malign it and twist it for your own things, you're going to die. God in his mercy doesn't strike people dead today. By his grace, this happens. (laughs) Or I probably wouldn't be here. Okay? Okay? I don't purpose to make mistakes. But I think there's a little more more to it than just making a mistake and misquoting something. I mean, we're talking about major doctrine. If you speak uh, something that that God has made very clear and you somehow make it selfish for your own benefit just to get money from the people, you're in deep trouble. You better be careful. (laughs) But the prophet who presumed, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has spoken? And here he tells him, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. See, God doesn't have to make up stuff. If he is omniscient, he can speak what he's going to speak, and he knows very well what it is and the purpose of what he was saying. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He's already seen it. He can speak to it as if it's already passed. How can he look back, you know, how can he look forward in the future and give to us Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 onward, and he describes in vivid detail the coming of, the second coming of Christ to the earth? It's because it's already, he's already seen it. He's already, it's already in the, in the, in the program. Everything in between, we don't know, but he's shown us the big things. And doesn't that comfort you? It comforts me to know that God's in control of human history, that it's not just some kind of chaotic mess, which it is, but he has a way of orchestrating it, and the devil thinks he's doing really good. Boy, I've got all these people upset about politics. Wow, I got Julian Assange arrested in London. The devil's going, boy, I got, I'm messing this up. Boy, I just, you know, he's all excited, and God's going, you can do what you want. Actually, he, the devil's not a loose cannon. He has to ask God for permission. <laughs> and one day God's going to say, checkmate. And the devil's going to go, how did that happen? Oh, you didn't see that coming? Oh, I had that figured out. I forgot to tell you. Way back there in history, I, did you read that part in Revelation or Genesis 3.15? The seed of the woman's going to crush your head. Did you read that? Yeah, it's going to happen. It's happening now. But then you're going to the Abut. You're going to be sent to the lake of fire where you and the false prophet and the beast will spend an eternity never ending but false prophets hmm i need to for the sake of time i want to give you some things to write down because these things are exciting and i think when you read them when you read verses 20 through 22, I want you to go home tonight or sometime tomorrow, read these passages that I'm about to share with you because it kind of brings into relief what we're going to talk about, and then we'll finish up here. Read Jeremiah chapter 23, 
verses 9 through 32. And, and that's really just God's um, Jeremiah complaining to the Lord about the, the false prophets. In fact, this was part of the reason that God was going to lead Judah and Benjamin, the, these southern two tribes, why he was going to allow them to be taken into captivity in Babylon because of their idolatry, because of the false prophecies, because of the false prophets and the things they were doing. So read that, Jeremiah 23, verses 9 through 32. And then one of my favorite chapters, it's actually not favorite, it's, it's an interesting chapter. I don't know why it really resonated in my heart. I think it's just because it's so clear. Read Jeremiah 28. You're going to read about Jeremiah and this prophet called Hananiah, who was a false prophet. And I wanted to go there tonight, but time does not permit us. Maybe next week we'll pick up in this section and move on a little bit. But, but I'll just have you pre-read ahead of it, because it really just speaks of, of God's validating the message that he had given to Jeremiah, not this false prophet, Hananiah. It's a really fantastic passage. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. It'll be, just in that chapter, it'll become obvious to you what is happening, and there's a difference between Jeremiah's message and Hananiah's message. Jeremiah said, don't resist the king of Babylon. Submit to him. Give up. Put your hands up and go to Babylon. If you do, you'll live, and things will be well with you. If you resist, if you run, you are going to be chased down like a hound, and you'll be thrust through with an arrow. You'll be killed. But if you obey God in this discipline, you will live. And the other prophet is saying, no, things are going to be great. No, all the captives are going to come back. That first wave that went into into captivity, they're all going to come back. Jeconiah is going to come back, the king. Everything's going to be great. We're going to go to Bill Gray's and have a Sunday. Things are fine. Don't listen to this guy. We're going to get all the stuff back, the menorah, everything. All the gold, all that stuff's coming back, along with Jeconiah. We're going to have a party. It's going to be fine. And you'll read it, and you'll see what happens to Hananiah at the end of the chapter. But in our day, we have many false prophets. There are many people who claim to not only be Christ himself, but they're also false prophets. They will say wicked things. They will say things that don't line up with Scripture, and they're making money hand over feet, and people are listening to them. They're tuning in to TBN. And they're watching these charlatans, these men who are supposed to be men of God, but they're men of gold. They want your money. They could care less about you. Are they giving you the truth, or are they giving you this watered-down message? That's what they're giving you. They're not even giving you a good message. It's a health and wealth prosperity movement. Give me a break. Look at the lives of Abraham. Look at the lives of Isaac and Jacob. Yes, they were wealthy men, but they weren't exempt from difficulty. They would laugh at people like Benny Hinn. They would laugh at men like Joel Olstein and Joyce Myers. They would laugh at them. All the Old Testament prophets would laugh at them and say, what are you doing? Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. They look like a sheep. They come in, they look like a sheep. They're wearing the sheep outfit. They even sound like a sheep. They eat, and, and you watch them, and, and everything looks fine. And all of a sudden, you just feel, you know, something's kind of weird what they're talking about. I don't know what this doctrine is. And next thing you know, they're, they're speaking this false doctrine. They're weaving their way in out like a snake. 
subverting souls as they go. Discouraging true believers, young believers, who had a fire for God, but now someone comes alongside of them and says, well, has God really said that? Yea, hath God said? What he really means is that if you just had enough faith, you could have that yacht in the Mediterranean. I got one. Look at the ring. Look at the bling on the fingers. Got all the bling happening. It's my faith. I believe it. I claimed it. I blabbed it. I grabbed it, and it's mine. Jesus said, Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be, as, be wise as serpents and harmless of doves, as harmless as doves. He said to Matthew 24, beginning in verse 23, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is Christ, or there, do not believe it. He's speaking to the Jews that are going to go through this tribulation period. He said, For false Christs and false prophets will rise, and they'll show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, the very elect. It's not possible for the elect to be seduced. If it was possible, they're going to be really good at it. There's going to be people who are going to be weak in the faith that are going to fall into the trap of these things. And God will see to it that if they're, if they're his, they're not going to be seduced. They may get confused. He's faithful. He knows whose are his. I'd have you read Second Peter chapter 2 as well. There is a lot of, uh, um, I would have loved to have read the whole entire chapter of Second Peter chapter 2 to you. But you'll have to read that uh, in anticipation maybe of next week. But you can take a look at that because it speaks of the doom of false teachers and these doctrines of demons, these deceptions of false teachers, all this really positive stuff. <laughs> Isn't this like really positive? I'm just like, no, it's, it's pretty dark. It's pretty dark. But we have to wake up. We can't listen to that garbage. We can't take, take heed to that stuff that's being promoted out there. If it's not in the Word of God, it's not worth knowing. Whatever doctrine it is, does it have its foundation in here? If it doesn't, dismiss it. And you will have the Holy Spirit on your side. Blessed are you if you read this and do this. What's in the God's Word? Let me finish with one scripture. 1 John chapter 4. I'm just going to read the first three verses to you. John, the beloved disciple, the gospel, or the, the, the disciple of love. First John chapter 4, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. And here's how you know if, it, if a spirit is speaking through someone you know if they are from the Holy Spirit or whether they are from a false spirit. If they are not from the Holy Spirit, you just walk away. This is how you know. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. Does that make sense? It's pretty clear to me. Any cult that says that Jesus is not God in the flesh, and Jehovah's Witnesses is one of them, they do not believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. They are a cult. God loves the people, but he hates their doctrine. Same thing with the Mormons. He loves them, but their doctrine is wrong. Any spirit that says that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh, they just think he's a God. 
In the New World Translation, that's what it reads. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. And even the guy who translated their, their translation into the Greek, they, they twisted that around. He said that, in, that indefinite article, a God, is not supposed to be there. It's not even in the Greek language, the, in, the, the indefinite article. It's not there. It's not there. He wrote a letter to the watchtowers. His name is Charles Manti. He wrote a letter to the watchtower saying, this, is, this, this word, this phrase here, a God, and, and there in John chapter 1 there, that, that is not supportable by the Greek at all. Not possible. But they put it in there. It's a damnable heresy. He's not a God. He is God. That's what our Bible says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 it says, And this Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Right? But notice, so, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. And John said this nearly 2,000 years ago. How much more is it in the world now? It's all over the place. I looked at a list, and we'll end here. <laughs> I looked at a list of, uh, I saw some lists of false prophets, false doctrines, and let me tell you, that they're, they're so numerous. And so many of the people that you know that claim to be a Christian are holding to these teachers and these doctrines. Not you, perhaps. I'm sure none of you are. But there are many who you know who are holding to these things. They're listening to this junk. And they're getting confused, and their hearts are getting corrupted. And it's our responsibility as believers of Christ to lovingly tell them the truth. Lovingly tell them. We have to tell them. Love on them. Love them enough to tell them the truth. Amen? Let's stand. (laughs) Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, from beginning to end. It's seamless. And Lord, thank you, Lord, that you have um, given to us so many examples in your word, Lord. You've left nothing uncovered. You've made everything, is the, the, the extremely important things, the very foundational things, you've made them so clear to us. And Lord, I will confess that there are things about your word that are a complete mystery to me and and, and will be until you come home. And, And it's a complete mystery to every honest Christian, every honest Bible scholar, every honest teacher of the word. Throughout history, there are mysteries that we still have no clue about. All we have are conjecture. And Lord, that's fine with me. Because Lord, in the end, you're going to reveal these things to us. When we are in your presence... We'll find out what Ezekiel was talking about, about the wheel within a wheel. <laughs> you'll, you'll show us if it's necessary. But Lord, we're content spending a million years gazing into your face and being prostrate before you. We'll be content there for a very long time before we take our next breath, just honoring you, glorifying you, worshiping you, Lord. So have your way with us tonight, Lord. Keep us safe. Lord, write your word on our heart. Cleanse us by your word. Fill us with your spirit, God. Baptize us with your spirit when and whenever you so choose, Lord. This is your, your business. 
Have your way with us, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.